Hi there, it's Melvin. Just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Thryzer for supporting this month's podcast sessions. Thryzer is a payment platform that you have to check out if you are a private pay therapist and accepting out-of-network benefits. It basically helps clients save on therapy up front. Thryzer can help verify a client's out-of-network benefit ahead of the first session so that they get transparency up front on what their out-of-pocket costs will be. I'll tell you more about Thryzer here in the middle of our session, but if you go to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, you actually and then enter the code STC upon sign up, you get your first $2,500 in fees waived. Again, that's over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, and be sure to enter the promo code STC. So we'll jump right into today's podcast session. Hello, hello. Welcome to session 205 of Selling the Couch. Hope you're having an awesome day. So today's podcast topic is all about using the combo of Pinterest and blogging in order to explode our website traffic. My guest is Daniel Fava. If you guys remember, Daniel was a previous guest on the STC podcast. Daniel has become a good friend. He's someone that I rely a lot on when it comes to website strategy and marketing. And we actually, as I mentioned in the interview, we actually now meet about once a month just to catch up and check in on each other. I feel like just having support of other like-minded people is just so helpful. Anyway, I wanted to create this episode because I happened to be checking out Daniel's website and I was like, oh man, you actually know a lot of stuff about Pinterest. And I know that a lot of us are wondering about Pinterest and how to use Pinterest in an effective way. And the purpose of this episode is we actually had done an episode on Pinterest way, way back in the day, but I just felt like it was time to kind of get an update. And so today we're going to talk about some very specific strategies that you can use and walk away with, including figuring out who your ideal target audience is, and maybe some tips on how to find those folks. And then also this question of like, do you use your own personal Pinterest account or are there other ways in order to better cater and better sort of distinguish between business and personal use of Pinterest? And this side note, this question of like, do you put your personal pins like your home decor ideas on your Pinterest board if that doesn't speak to your ideal client? And then we're going to talk a lot about using automation strategies so that you're not always in front of your computer pinning and repinning stuff like that. And then we're also going to talk a lot about keywords and how to use keywords in your Pinterest profile in order to get found on search engines like Google and also within the Pinterest platform itself. Can't wait for this episode. Be sure to get out a pen and paper as there's a lot of really good tips in this one. Before we do get to today's podcast session, I just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Brighter Vision for supporting today's podcast session. Brighter Vision is a company that helps therapists create beautiful websites, and they've really expanded a lot of their service offerings. And one of the really cool things I wanted to just share a little bit about is they actually have pre-written therapist content, which I'll tell you a little bit more about at the end. But so you get things like your FAQ page, your services provided, You get a couple of different versions of your website. You get a couple of different specialty pages and rates and insurance, something like that. Just when they're already pre-written, they test and validate what kind of works. 
And so they know that these are things that work. And so you actually get those written. I think that's a big thing that intimidates a lot of us, which is, you know, writing content and getting our actual website up. And they make that process a lot easier. You can learn more about Brighter Vision and the awesome services that they provide over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Brighter Vision. And be sure to go through that link to get your first month absolutely free. So we'll jump right into today's podcast conversation. Here's my conversation with Daniel Fava from createmytherapistwebsite.com. Hey, Daniel, welcome back to Selling the Couch. Hey, Melvin, how's it going? Thanks so much for having me back on. Yeah, you're so welcome. For those of you guys who are listening, Daniel and I, we've actually built a nice friendship and we check in with each other, what, about every month or every other month or so? Yeah, something like that. It's been great. Yeah, just to see how we're doing. And it's been one of the neatest things I think of podcasting is that, you know, you do these interviews, but the really neat thing is you get to build some awesome friendships with awesome people. And Daniel is definitely one of those awesome people. Oh, (laughs) absolutely. It's been great. It's just when you're an entrepreneur, just knowing other people who you can just lean on and talk to about the challenges and the highs and lows. It's been awesome to do that with you, Melvin. Yeah, no, likewise. I'm excited for today's topic because as I shared, like right before we started recording, Pinterest is something that I've thought a lot with about with selling the couch. I actually had Pinterest board early on, but it just became a lot to manage between Pinterest and Facebook. And yeah. I think I was briefly thought about Instagram by, or, or and Twitter. I definitely did Twitter. But today, I know the potential of Pinterest is so huge. And so we're talking about this combo of how do you use Pinterest and blogging to really drive and explode website traffic. Uh, yeah. traffic. And so I wanted to start at the top, which is, like, why in the world should a private practitioner focus on Pinterest versus any of these other social media platforms? Yeah, that's a good place to start. So just to backtrack a little bit and some of my experience with using Pinterest, when I first started using it, you know, I was like most people where I was just using it for, we had just gotten into a new house. So we're looking for decor. We're looking for, you know, just different things that we can do in our house. I didn't realize there was so many things that I could build with pallet wood. Now I know that. <laughs> so I was kind of starting there. And, you know, and then over time I was starting to follow people that were talking about online marketing, things that I was interested in. So I decided to to start using Pinterest to as a way to share my blog posts from uh, createmytherapistwebsite.com because that started just as a blog. It was something I was doing on the side. And that became just my routine is I would create a blog post and then I would share it on Pinterest. And there were some other strategies and things that we'll talk about that I did to help with that. But after about six months, I noticed that my page views on my website increased by, it was like 1400%, something like that. Wow. And I wasn't, because I was a new website, there wasn't a lot of SEO potential going on just yet. I was still building that, still working on that. But when I looked at my Google Analytics, it was really Pinterest was the, the main traffic driver to my website. So that's me. You know, I'm not a therapist. I'm teaching therapists how to do online marketing. You know, so with a therapist, it's a little bit different, but not really because most people do have a blog on their website. If they're not blogging, they definitely should. But it is just a great way to take a blog post and just get it out into the world. And, you know, one of the main reasons why Pinterest is so powerful is because there is this exponential effect. If you have, let's say you have 10 followers on Pinterest, not all 10 followers are going to see a pin that you put on there, you know, because of algorithms and all that stuff. But just for an example, let's say you 
write a blog post, you share it on Pinterest, let's say 10 followers see it. If somebody then repins that onto their board and they have maybe 200, 300 followers, then that pin can get seen by just an exponential amount of people. And the shelf life of those pins can go on, you know, pretty much forever. If somebody searches and finds something related to your niche and your therapy practice, the types of things that you help your clients with, it could be months, two months, years from now, somebody might see it and repin it. And again, they might have 200 followers that gets seen by more people. So it's kind of this cool, geeky web of uh, traffic that can just come back to you. That's really interesting. So like, I don't know, as you were talking about this, I was thinking, I don't know, just I'm thinking just like a tweet without any sort of image or anything, right? Like, so with a tweet, like, let's say that, you know, I I post something and somebody might retweet it. But I guess the difference with is it the visual component of Pinterest that you think is driving that sort of exponential? Because people are like, oh, that's interesting. You know, like, let me pin that versus like, I can't imagine like, I don't know if this makes sense, like pinning a tweet kind of thing, you know? Right. Yeah. So I think because it's just a different way of interacting with the platform, the average time spent on Pinterest is about 14 minutes. So people are, you know, just hanging out. They're just, it's like this endless feed where you're just scrolling through and yes, it is visual. So things catch your eye. And it's, it's also a kind of like a bookmarking app, really, you know, if you see something, an idea that really strikes you or something that you want to come back to later, you could say, oh, I want to save that to my board. You know, if you're a marriage and couples therapist and your ideal client, you know, is somebody who's maybe struggling in their marriage and you have a blog post on there about, you know, date ideas, 25 great date ideas to re-spark your marriage, whatever it is. And your ideal client is just chilling on the Pinterest feed and sees that and says, I want to get a little bit more spark. I want to have more dates in my with my partner. So they'll save that for later and come back to it. So it's just a different way of interacting with the platform other than just, you know, Facebook is just so busy. It's so noisy. Twitter is just super fast and you wouldn't really retweet something, you know, multiple times a day. Whereas on Pinterest, you're totally fine with pinning multiple times a day. Yeah, that's really interesting. And just, I mean, I don't remember the exact data, but if Pinterest is 14 minutes, I know that a lot of these other social media platforms, they're like significantly, I would think significantly less just because you're, I mean, you I guess you could be on like Facebook for a long time, but the amount of content, like you're seeing it kind of becomes like too intimidating, I would think, or too overwhelming. Yeah. That, I mean, that's how I feel about Facebook. Sometimes I'm like, whoa, there's just so much going on here. Right. I wanted to get into the nitty gritty, just shift a little bit. So uh, we're going to kind of dive into some of these strategies to actually use this combo of Pinterest and blogging. Let's start at the top. What would you say is like the number one strategy? Yeah. So the very first thing that I teach anyone who's interested in using blogging and Pinterest together is you have to get very clear on who your target audience is. I kind of go back to the first blog that I created. This was back in oh 2009 or something like that. I was just learning to use WordPress. I lost my job and I also ended an engagement. And so I decided to take a little time out and I drove cross country to Montana. Uh, I went to a a school for, for missionaries out there, spent three months out there and then two months in India and then Thailand. So I created a blog to capture that experience. I'm like, oh yeah, everyone's going to love this blog. They're going to follow me across the world and all that. But the only people who really read that blog was like my mom and my family and maybe a couple people you know, from my church. And the reason being was because that blog was really, it was just for me. I was just capturing my own experiences. I was just sharing my thoughts, things that were going on. But it wasn't really, you know, no one's going to Google kid drives cross country to Montana. 
So you got to be really clear about who your target audience is and really, you know, take a pen and paper and write down why do you blog and who do you blog for? And some questions that you can really ask yourself is, you know, who do you love helping in your private practice? Really define your target audience. I know a lot of people have, have done some of that work. We hear a lot about niching down, but, you know, it is a good idea to get really clear on who do you love helping in your private practice? What are the questions that they're consistently asking you? What are the questions they're asking you in sessions before they even come to you? They ask you on your consultation calls. Just start writing all of that stuff down. And that is all going to be, you know, fuel for the fire of the content that you create. And it's going to help you create really specific blog posts that can be found in Google, but then also can be found in Pinterest. Right. And by gathering that data, what you're doing is it's almost like you're getting into the minds of these folks. And so you're writing content that would cater or that would answer something they may be struggling with. Yes, exactly. And then it's going to really help you categorize your blog posts and also categorize the the boards you have on Pinterest. It's also going to help you have keywords on both your blog and also on Pinterest and really work together to help your content get in front of your ideal client. Pinterest also has some algorithms like, you might also like pins like this. And so if somebody find something that's not your content, but your content is related and has, you know, the proper keywords there, which we'll talk about later, you know, then your content can also get in front of your ideal client that way. So you have to be really clear. You don't want to write wishy-washy blog posts. You want to be really specific about who these blog posts help and be clear with the the benefit that your ideal client's going to get from reading that content. Uh, Daniel, you said this, you said that topic of like niching, right? Like when you were talking about this first point. So I guess related to this, and I feel this probably could be a whole other episode, but how do you figure out? So like, I guess take my like private practice niche, right? In I guess as an example. So in general, like my big area is like working with entrepreneurs and leaders, but I've kind of started to niche down to like, for example, like parentpreneurs, right? Mm. So in that example, is it smart to have like a Pinterest board for entrepreneurs and, and nest the parentpreneurs or is it wiser to do like a parentpreneur as a whole board and then write content, for example, just to parentpreneurs? Well, the beauty about Pinterest is that it's totally okay to have multiple boards and to pin the same pin to multiple boards throughout time. You don't necessarily need to draw that hard line. And it's really, you want to think about how do your ideal clients identify themselves? Like, are they familiar with that term, parentpreneurs? But maybe there's a, a different way to word that. And you can really group your topics and your pins together based on that. And you can also just you know, try things out over time. You can start a board, give it a name, try to get the keywords in there and really track with the analytics that Pinterest will give you, which we'll talk about in the next step. You can see how that board's doing and you can make tweaks you know, going forward. That's really interesting. So the, the first one is get clear on who your target audience is. What would you say is the second tip? So the second tip is just starting at the beginning with Pinterest. Super quick is just set up a Pinterest business account and enable what's called rich pins. Pinterest business account is just going to give you, it's going to give you access to some more statistics about your account. Like I just mentioned, like what's your most popular board? What are your more popular pins? How is your audience growth going? Stuff like that. And when you have that Pinterest about account, you can also then verify your website. And when you verify your website with Pinterest, it creates anything that you pin from your website is going to then be called what they call as a rich pin. And so it'll have just a little bit more information attached to each pin 
including it'll clearly show your domain there, your account, and just some more descriptions. And it's also going to help you better track the traffic that Pinterest is actually sending to your website. So you can go to business.pinterest.com and you can start a Pinterest business account. And I believe you can also convert a personal account to a business account. I'm not sure how that's set up right now, but I know that that's something that I did way back in the day, but I'm not sure how it's set up right now. But if you are doing, if you're already using Pinterest for marketing for your private practice, you have some momentum there, you might not want to lose that. So I believe you can convert it. That's interesting. I actually never knew about the whole business account, which is why you're on the interview. <laughs> <laughs> Here we are. So this is really random. Does that Pinterest business account, does that cost anything or is that? No, that's that's totally free. You know, similar to Facebook, how Facebook has a business side to it. Pinterest has that whole business side. And once you have a business account, you can run ads and that's that's how they make their money. And but but yeah, it's totally free to access and get all those extra analytics and statistics on your account. Oh, that's interesting. So you could run Pinterest ad, but you can run a Pinterest ad on a personal account. Correct. And please just if you don't know this, that's okay. If you run a Pinterest ad through your business page, does that does that only reach out to other like business accounts or is it to everybody on Pinterest? So it's very similar to Facebook. It's not as nitty gritty, but you know, you can't really pull it down as much as the targeting is on Facebook ads, but it's similar in that you can you can target certain demographics and it's not limited to other business accounts. You just you choose your demographics, you choose who is your you know, ideal person to see each pin. They're gonna analyze that and they're gonna, you know, serve it up best for people that you set those demographics for. I don't have a lot of experience with running ads. It's actually something I've honestly never really had to do because I've been able to work these strategies pretty well. But that is definitely a way that you can, you know, boost your followers, get your content seen more is, you know, you can definitely, you can definitely pay for that or you can play the long game, which is what we're talking about here and, you know, do the free strategies, which I like. (laughs) Right. Yeah, no, definitely. So does every blog post that you create through this business account, is that considered a rich pin? Like every time... Yeah. Anytime you, once you set that up and you verify it and they have this rich pin validator where you can just put in a link, it'll show you what that pin looks like. Mm. Um, And once you set that up, then going forward, any content from your website is going to be a rich pin because it's been verified with Pinterest. Okay. So it seems like this is something you sort of do at the onset to validate that you're actually like uh, right, correct. You're actually a legit business. You have a website, that kind of stuff. Yep. Okay. So what would you say is the second tip is, so set up a business account versus using your personal account. Yep. And there may actually, you said there is actually a way to convert and I'll see if I can find instructions on how to do that and put that in the show notes. Yeah. Yep. So what would you say is three? What would you say is the third tip? Yeah, so number three is making sure that you really treat your Pinterest profile as a resource library for your ideal clients. And we've, we've kind of touched on that a little bit. And this is some of the work that's going to flow out of you know, the first step of just getting clear on your audience. But it's then making sure that you know, you've got this Pinterest business account set up and this isn't a place where you're going to be pinning your favorite recipes and your DIY stuff. Because you're trying to really capture that ideal client. And, you know, you don't want your ideal client to either click on, you know, Pinterest icon on your website and then land on your, your Pinterest profile or just, you know, find you in just surfing through Pinterest. And they're expecting to hear more about marriage therapy resources, things that are going to help 
their marriage. And then the first things that they see are boards called hairstyles or cute dogs or, you know, desserts. I love that sort of thing. That doesn't look like an extension of your website. It doesn't look as professional. It wouldn't be a place that you'd want to come back and revisit because you have amazing marriage therapy resources. So you want to think about your Pinterest profile as a library. That's really an extension of your website where people can go further. They can find more content related to your niche and the things that you help your clients with. And that's, you know, content that's not your own as well as your own. So just a couple of quick tips for this is just use a professional portrait for the profile image, or if you're a group practice, you can use your practice's logo. You can also, one thing that's really cool is that you can create a featured board on your profile. So if somebody clicks on your profile, they'll see this board up front and you can, I like to have this be, you know, content from my website or, you know, from the blog, call it something like that. And then you put anything that's a new blog post or content from your website, you put into this featured board because if someone lands on that profile, they're going to see it front and center, which is really cool. Well, on that featured board, you should, it sounds like because it's so front and center, you should really try to put your content, but on the other board, you can do some combo of your content and like stuff that you may find on other blogs and websites that are related. Correct. Yeah. So really, you know, the starting point for me has always been I pin it to my featured board and then I take that and then, you know, just thinking about the other boards I have on the, on the profile and just repinning it to different ones to kind of spread it out. Cause you're also, people can follow your profile or they can also just follow certain boards. So you want to spread your content out, but having that featured board is just something that it looks good on your profile. Somebody lands on it. And it also, you know, if you have done some branding where your pins look pretty similar each time you pin, then that goes along with your website and it all just helps to reinforce your professionalism and your brand. Okay. So the professional profile, do you know, do you have any like insight into this? Like, is it better to, for example, whether it's a solo practice or group practice, is it better to place a logo versus like an image of you or the image of the group? So I really like to have a personal image, you know, if it's a solo practice, just because it, it helps to just create a little bit more of a connection. You get to see who's behind the profile. But for some people, that might not make sense. Uh, I think if it is a group practice, probably just going with the practice's logo. That just reinforces the brand right there that this is just a, you know, this is a group practice. It's not just one person. Right. But, you know, it's really a personal decision. And then I think I cut you off. So you said right after, was there anything else? You said you should have a feature board where you have content from your website. Was there anything else that we should do in terms of the feature board professional profile? Yes. So just two more things. And that is just name. Once you set up your profile, you start creating some boards, use clear titles that have keywords in those titles. These can even be the same as your blog categories. If you've already set those up on your website. If you, you, know, you know you've got content related to anxiety, you know you have content related to marriage and couples, you set up those boards with just clear titles just so people understand what they're getting. You don't want to be, you know, have cute titles here. You want it just to be really clear. If I click into this or I follow this board, I'm going to get resources related to whatever the topic is. Okay. So clear over cute. Yes. And then the fourth thing is search for other boards on Pinterest that are related to the content that your ideal client would read. And that's going to help you curate content that's going to be just helpful resources, you know, that's not from your blog. You want to mix it up. And we talked about that a little bit. You want to have, let's say, seven or eight pins that aren't yours to the three or two pins that are from your website and you want to mix that up. And then anytime you log into Pinterest and you're on your business profile, 
you know, you're going to see your feed of all the boards you follow and all of that content's going to be related to what your ideal client likes. And that's going to just make things so much easier in the future that then you can repin to your own boards. Right. And then does, I guess when you pin these content from other people, do they get notified that like, you know, Daniel's pinned something from you? Yeah, I think in the notifications, it does tell you, you know, this pin has been repinned. So then I guess there's a potential then they could like start to pin some of your stuff. Like you can almost form that like online relationship, right? With some potentially even like bigger influencers. Yeah, correct. Yeah, absolutely. That's actually something that I did early on when I first started learning to use Pinterest. Really, I spent a lot of time searching for these boards that I started searching for, you know, for myself, because my ideal client is therapists who are creating websites. So I searched for other therapists on Pinterest. I found the boards that I thought maybe my ideal client would really like that are, you know, resources related to therapy. And so I followed them. And so I'd spend probably like, 10 minutes a day just looking for those boards. And that actually, I got some followbacks from that. So that kind of created some momentum of just gaining more followers. That's definitely like an added side effect, added bonus there. Got it. So the fourth tip was search for other boards to curate content. Again, I think like one of the big messages I'm taking away from this is instead of just seeing your Pinterest account as oh, this is my business Pinterest account, see it almost as a repository of resources for your ideal client. Yeah. Like I said, it it should be an extension of your practice, an extension of your website. And what would you say is the final tip? So I actually have two more if we've got time. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Let's do it. We'll go through this one pretty quick. So number fourth is Number four is use keywords everywhere. Everywhere that you can put a description, you want to put a description. And so that really comes down to you can add keywords to your business name. I forget the character count that they allow you, but you know some people would just put, you land on a Pinterest profile and it just says Daniel Fava, or it could say Daniel Fava, marriage and family therapist. So you can actually include some of those keywords in the business name. The next places you can put you can write a really solid bio that's focused on your ideal client. So they give you room for just, I think it's like one or two sentences. It's pretty short, but you can, you can use that for like your elevator pitch there, your one liner for my story brand people where you can just say something like, you know, instead of just saying I'm an LPC in Atlanta, you can say, I help couples and parents restore relationships and blah, blah, blah through couples therapy. You can also include a link there. If you've got like a PDF download, it's just an extra place where you can say, you know, download your free marriage guide here, date tips, you know, date ideas, whatever it is. And you can even just put a little link in there or just some added uh, bonus there. Another place to put your keywords is in the board descriptions. And that's something I see people make that mistake a lot where they'll create boards to pin to. And if you click into that board, there's no description about what that content's about. And so if you are you know, familiar with like writing like meta descriptions for your blog posts and doing some of that SEO work, you can, it's the same sort of idea where you want to describe what people are going to get, what they're going to read by following this board and include those keywords there. And number four is the actual pins that you create. When you create a blog post, you create a pin for that blog post. And then when you pin it to Pinterest, write a really good description there. And you could even copy and paste the meta description. If you've written one for your website, you could paste it in there, you know, because really, Pinterest is a search engine at heart. People go to it and they'll search for things. You know, people will also casually come across content, but you know, really the main thing is search. So you want keywords because it's going to help you target your audience when they use search. It's also going to help Pinterest suggest your pins to people who don't yet follow you. 
but they're interested in related topics and content. And then over time, it's going to help you increase your, your Pinterest followers. So you want to make sure you use keywords in those four places. Right. So it seems like it's something that, you know, takes a little bit of extra time, but can yield a lot of really positive results because you're right. Like all of these social media platforms, I think I know for me, when I'm the user, I forget sometimes what it's like to be the, like the consumer, if that, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And really the the good thing is that, you know, the first three you doing your, business name, your bio, and your board descriptions, you only have to set that up once. And then it's just ongoing as you're pinning your own content and blog posts is making sure to include descriptions with each one. So it's not just a link. You know, you really want to let people know what are they going to get if they actually click on this pin and go to your website. Any final last tips? Because I have two random questions for you. Yeah, I've got just one more. And this is really taking it to the next level. And that's using automation tools to get more traffic. Because really, just like blogging and you know, using your blog and your website to get more traffic, consistency on Pinterest is also key to really increase your traffic. You, know, you want to make sure that your Pinterest account is active and you're pinning multiple times a day. People suggest anywhere from 10 to 25 times a day. So that gets really hard to do manually. If you're sitting there, then you're trying to create 25 pins every single day. You know, it can be pretty much a nightmare having to do that all the time. So, you know, there's different tools. I use personally, I use Tailwind to schedule my Pinterest pins. It helps with some of the curation as well, where I can find pins that are interesting to my ideal clients. One really cool feature of Pinterest Tailwind that I love is they have this thing called the Smart Loop. I use this to fill it up with my blog content and my most popular content. And what Tailwind is going to do. I believe you set a schedule for those pins to go out and it's going to pull from that queue and it's just going to keep repinning my blog post content so it it keeps showing up at the top of people's feeds. And so it's really set it and forget it and you don't have to worry about it too much. And this is also something that you can get an assistant to do. And that's actually what I do in my business. My VA, she goes in and she curates some of the stuff and you know just fills up the queue with great content that's curated and all that goes out through, you know, I forget how many times we're posting each day, but we set a schedule and then it's just going to pull from the queue, which is pretty sweet. That is pretty sweet. So is Tailwind, is that just for like Pinterest or is it also post to other social media? I use it mainly for Pinterest. I know there is a side to it that allows you to do Instagram posts actually, but I have not dug into that personally. I haven't really done much on Instagram strategy just yet, but hope to in the future. But really Pinterest is the main, is their main, bread and butter. I believe they're actually the only automation tool that is endorsed by Pinterest itself. There were some other ones that actually I was using and then they had to shut down uh, because they were buggy and also Pinterest did not endorse them. They didn't work well, <laughs> but, but Tailwind's a great one. I also use Buffer sometimes. Buffer works with all social media profiles, but they also allow you to choose a posting schedule and then you can fill it up with Pinterest pins that way. Are you ready for my two random questions? Yeah, let's hear it. Okay. So my first question is, uh, in terms of creating these graphics for Pinterest, I mean, you're, you have such like a beautiful eye and your visuals are amazing. I feel like the average person is probably not as like visually gifted. And so, I mean, have any suggestions of like where we can like, I mean, can we use things like Canva for business? Like where, what can we do to like actually create some graphics on pin not for our pins that you know that actually yeah. that peak curiosity and interest yeah absolutely so canva.com that's that's the one that i send you know people when i 
teach on this subject is, is just go to canva.com. They've got some great templates that you can choose from there and you can just fill it in with your own photos. You could also even just create, you can create a template within Canva. You know, if you want to just keep it, keep it simple, you know, just use your colors from your logo and set up a simple pin. You know, I like to look at Canva is also a great place for inspiration. So you can look at their templates and say, okay, how can I create copy one and use it as my template going forward so that there it is consistent and has consistent colors, you know, that sort of thing. So sometimes, and I've done this with my virtual assistant as well, where we'll look at a template, copy it, make it our own. And then the next time we, we do another blog post, we need to create another pin. She goes back to that, duplicates it, updates it with the new title and the new link there. So definitely use canva.com or something similar that's going to give you, you know, just some good design look and feel as a starting place. If you're not, if you're not a designer, which most people are not, definitely use Canva. And then the last question I had was, so is there any wisdom in, because I think we talked a lot about when you create these graphics, they should link to content on a blog. Is there any wisdom in just creating like a graphic and not linking at all? Like, for example, I'm thinking like, can you pin like a, an inspirational quote that an ideal client might resonate with, but doesn't necessarily link out to a blog post? Yeah, that's a great point. And that's something that you, you'll also see that a lot because that type of content is something that gets a lot of repins. And so just like on Instagram, you know, people will post quotes on there all the time. You will see that a lot on Pinterest. You can also link it to, you know, if it's an original, if you take a quote and you create an original image in Canva, and then you put that on to Pinterest, you can certainly just link that up to your homepage still, you know, even though it's just a quote, maybe your ideal client sees it and says like, wow, that's a powerful quote. I want to remember that. I might want to print that and put that in my office or something like that. Quotes work really well for getting some of those follows, getting some repins of just the casual browser on Pinterest. So yeah, so you could leave the URL off if you want and just pin it. But I would recommend, you know, as much as you can, just having everything linked back to your website. Yeah, I think we've talked about this, which is like, I mean, all of these like social media, these are just tools, right? But ultimately we want to drive traffic to real estate that we own right? I.e. like our websites. And so I like that strategy. Like, so it's not, you know, maybe it doesn't need to be part of a blog post, but just direct just to the homepage. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and another, you know, to this point, one of the things that Google looks at is your social cues to see how much traffic is coming from social media to your website to see how popular you are. And also just to consider the types of topics that are on your website. That's another big question that I get from therapists is like, well, I'm only seeing people in my state or my town. How is Pinterest, which could reach, you know, globally, how is that going to help me? But it can help your Google rank. It's not as significant as just creating great content and optimizing your website, but Google does look to these social cues. So you want as much as you can to have those links going back to your website so it so Google can see it's related. That's awesome. Daniel, I am just so grateful for your wealth of knowledge and most of all for our friendship. Thank you so much for coming on and just talking Pinterest and uh, really enjoyed this conversation. Where can we learn more about you and the awesome work that you're doing in the world? Yeah. Well, thanks again for having me. This is so much fun. Uh, like I said, before we hopped on, I haven't dove into Pinterest too much lately, but it's it's getting me more excited to teach this again and get back into it. So I'm sure I'll have some more podcast episodes on my own podcast for that. So people can find me on my podcast, which is a, a new podcast called the Private Practice Elevation Podcast. Uh, you can find that at privatepracticeelevation.com. 
We talk about just online marketing for therapists and have some great, great folks on there like yourself, Melvin. You were on there recently talking about podcasting. So that's really my main focus these days and where people can find me. Awesome. Daniel, thank you again for doing this. Yeah, thanks so much, Melvin. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Hey there, hope you enjoyed my conversation with Daniel, and especially if you've been curious about Pinterest. I hope that today's podcast conversation has just been helpful for you and helps you to think a little bit differently about how you might be able to use Pinterest in order to get more website traffic. You can learn more about Daniel's good work over again at createmytherapistwebsite.com. And if you're interested in learning more about Daniel's course, all about Pinterest and how he used it to get website traffic and accelerate website traffic, you can go over to createmytherapistwebsite.com and then click courses, and then you'll see it right under there. As I was reflecting on this session, I think a couple of things that I really took away. One is, I don't think I realized that you could actually have a separate business account. I started using Pinterest like some years ago, and then I just completely stopped. And I think back then, I don't think this was possible, but I guess they really upped their game. And so I would encourage you to one, and this is something I'm going to be doing, because I'm thinking a lot about being strategic with Pinterest, and I definitely need to create a business account. And I'll also see if I can find a link to how to convert a personal Pinterest account to a business account and, and put it on the show notes page, which you can find over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash session and the number 205. The other thing that really, really resonated for me is just to be strategic in terms of where you put all of your different keywords, right? So whether it's on your professional profile, your featured board, all of and having clear titles, all of these things, you know, I think sometimes we forget that as users of a platform that, you know, people that are searching for it, they're searching for different things. And so we want to make that search as easy as possible. And so we want to be strategic with keywords. Daniel mentioned a number of them, which I'm definitely going to be employing. As we wrap up again, I just wanted to thank the team over at Brighter Vision for being wonderful supporters of this podcast. For those of you guys that don't know, you know, the podcasting is a lot of fun. It's a lot of joy, but it definitely takes costs. And having these sponsors makes it easier for me to hire out an editor and make sure we're getting great sound and making sure these episodes go out in a timely manner and all of those things. And Brighter Vision has been a longtime supporter of the podcast. They, again, help create beautiful websites for us as clinicians. They include a number of features as well, and they're rolling out all new features all the time. I mentioned right at the beginning that they actually have a pre-written therapist content. The other really cool thing is they actually have a homepage content generator. So basically you answer a couple of questions about your ideal clients and those kind of things. And then you have, and they'll generate five different versions of a homepage that you can use on your website. And then you kind of just pick the one that resonates for you. You can learn more about Brighter Vision and the services that they provide over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Brighter Vision. Have a great rest of your day and I'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Selling the Couch podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit www.sellingthecouch.com.
So if you've been listening to the STC podcast for a while, or you've been listening to podcasts and you've had this thought of, Mel, I would love to launch my own podcast in order to grow my business. Just wanted to encourage you to check out our free podcasting workshop, which is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop. You can basically sign up at a day and a time that works for you. It's 90 minutes. And when I do these workshops or when I record them, I truly believe in the quality teaching, so it's going to be well worth your time. We're going to go through gear recommendations and how to launch strategically and how to think about monetizing your podcast and how to line up your podcast with your existing offers and how to do it strategically and authentically uh, and not salesy and slimy um, and all of those things. So again, the link is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop.